looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Mmm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm -mm Mmm-mm-mm. Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy mofo. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any other films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Thinking your day is bad and really looking to make it worse? Why not try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts there's bound to be injuries. Now that's what I call depressing. It's gonna make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope wanna jump off the highest of planks. For those that are getting Now That's What I Call Depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars, Wrinkled Ladies. 
For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend whilst in Cell Block 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. With cheeks wide open. Who the fuck writes this shit? Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial. Always with you, it cannot be done. Those that rather have it out than in. This loaded hit will be dropping soon. Farthing in the USA. For those who place their order by calling or ordering online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a noose of good quality that won't snap, an installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in a full tub. Or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS. Hi, this is Skip Kraparis from Major League. Welcome to Crazy Train Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, there are few good guitar players, great guitar players, and beyond. However, with this guy, not only will you rock out with him when you see him in person, but you will do some laughing, as Dr. Mike was uh, mentioning here in this guest on other shows, but also maybe learn a thing or two when it comes to music. He will take you through an unbelievable fun trip through the dynamic evolution of either the 50s, 60s, or even the 70s. However, many fans might recognize him as Monty from the Major League movies, but you can check him out as skipgrapus.com if you want to see updated... Graparis, skipgraparis.com. Yep. Thank you. And, Easy for uh, me to say. Yeah. If you want to see updated appearances that he is doing concerts... He's actually got an appearance this weekend, Halloween weekend, in Parsippany, New Jersey at Chiller Theater for a small major league reunion. Skip, how you doing, sir? I am doing great. It's a small major league reunion, but it's a big expo. Yes. It's got just tons of uh, stars and so on being there. I'm looking forward to meeting a few uh, myself. Um, uh, Morgan Fairchild is Wow. At the top of my list, wow. but um, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, we, it's uh, uh, Tom Berenger, Corbin Burnson, Chelsea Ross, and myself. And as you mentioned, I played uh, Monty the Color Man. Chelsea, some people will remember, uh, played the old pitcher that uh, said "F you, Joe Boo," <laughs> uh, and then gets hit on the head with a baseball bat. So uh, he's a, he's done a lot of stuff. He's a big Chicago actor and does a lot of all kinds of work. Um, 
but really looking forward to it. I haven't seen any of those guys since um, we filmed either major league movie. You know, uh, the first one we filmed, I think it was 88. And it was a really uh, major league. The first one uh, released in 89. And then we filmed the second one in, I think, 94. Or, I mean, um, yeah, something like that. Uh, 93 or 94. But I will throw this out there because many yeah. folks may not realize, or some diehard baseball fans will realize, yes, the movie was about the Cleveland Indians. However, a lot of these films were shot in my one of my favorite cities, Baltimore, at the old Baltimore yes. Stadium and also Camden Yards. No, it was not, uh, to my knowledge, not filmed at the old Baltimore Stadium. Uh, Major League Two was filmed at Camden Yards. Yes. Major League One, or just Major League as it was known at the time, was filmed at Old County Stadium in Milwaukee. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Now, it's about Cleveland, but the Cleveland Stadium was not available due to scheduling um, conflicts. And, uh, you know, the movie's written by the director, David S. Ward, who grew up in Cleveland. And this is sort of, of his fantasy. You know, Cle- at this time, Cleveland hadn't one and you know i don't know how long and um uh but so we wound up at brewer stadium the old which it doesn't exist anymore i don't think old county you know brewer stadium i believe was demolished and uh they did fill some exteriors in cleveland just to you know to make it look bright but yeah. um we filmed it in the real broadcast booths in both movies uh the both stadiums so they had cameras set out in front of I don't know how they did it. Um, some kind of platform. And, uh, so yeah. And the one was done in, in June in Milwaukee. It was just gorgeous, pleasant. And, you know, working with Bob Euchre, you know, Mr. Baseball, uh, what a treat. <laughs> Not only was he nice and incredibly funny. And he wrote, he, he wrote some new lines right on the spot for both movies. I think he was given kind of, some latitude if he came up with something better you know then he did it and they used it uh but the second major league two was filmed in november in baltimore and we're still outside and we're dressed like it's summer and it was brutal and the director got the flu at some point so half of our shoot he we dealt with him he was in a remote studio somewhere and we talked communicated by walkie talkie um it was so cold. Uh, I don't know if you guys, how familiar you are with, with Major League Two, but there's a point where Harry Doyle, Bob's character, passes out. He says, take it, Monty, and he passes out. I looked over at Bob, and he's wearing just a tank top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, it's 40 degrees out. And uh, I looked over at his side, and his muscles were spasming from the cold on his side there. It was brutal. But... Um, we got through it. Yeah, exactly. Showbiz, baby. But uh, probably one of the most famous lines, and I'll insert it here, but okay. the famous line where you have one of your few speaking lines in this film, which is complete opposite from, like I said, what you do on stage and such. But right. when you mention a Bob, you can't say goddamn. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry. Nobody's listening anyway. Right. 
<laughs> on the air on the air and he says something you know like uh what's what's the difference no one's listening anyway something hey. like that <laughs> yeah. well hey. that that was that was my audition line when i auditioned for major league one at a casting agent in, uh, agency in chicago mostly i auditioned to uh, for to be a, a a batter from an opposing team Really? And they they needed to know that that I yeah that I that I could play baseball so I br- I brought a I don't know glove and ball or something, and they I I think they had a bat for me which I used you know, and then they said uh, okay well uh, we'd like you to read for color man, and uh, so I read that one line which was not which was um, I don't know what you can say on this podcast but it was you can it say was whatever you raunchier. want okay it was. Um, uh, he said, uh, Euchre says, uh, is that all uh, we got? One hit, one fucking hit. <laughs> and, and I say, you can't say fucking on the air. And they did kind of, kind of a visual take and they laughed. And then that was it. Thank you. Goodbye. You don't want to see me play ball. No, that's all right. Okay. So I don't hear anything for a couple of weeks and figure I just blew another audition, but then I get a call. I, you know, I got color man, but then when we did the movie, Bob was not uh, comfortable with fucking. So they changed it to goddamn, which is still I, I've seen on TV uh, censored sometimes. I, I think they take out the God. I think it's just damn, if anything. Um, but um, that was the line that got me the role. So what do you know? Go figure. And I was telling Dr. Mike here before we got you on the line. And because uh-huh. he's also a big music guy. And that's a been a big okay. part he's that's been a big part of your career as well because absolutely mike, yeah mike let me let you know that skip started playing in bands if i read this correctly in yep. 1964 which and he was Correct. involved he was involved with a mercury album release by his band trilogy in 1971 uh, uh, exactly uh, yeah really good album uh, unfortunately, was not promoted by Mercury. They they just blew it. They were trying to get Rod Stewart and Buddy Miles off the ground at that point, and uh, so they just kind of let it slide. And it's too bad because it's it's really awesome. I sell a CD version on my website. Unfortunately, it's it's just taken from uh, copied from a record. Uh, it would cost me too many thousands to buy the uh, the master tapes uh, from Mercury, but uh, really good. And uh, after that band folded, I eventually wound up in another Chicago group, which is not that well known nationally, although it had a couple of national hits. It was a group called the New Colony Six. And I took in 72, I took the lead uh, guitar, uh, the lead singer's place and also played guitar. And um, they had a couple of, the biggest hits were a couple of ballads. I will always think about you and things I'd like to say. Did that for a couple of years. Uh, we decided to fold and, uh, I started working solo, working on my acoustic guitar playing, finger picking. And I get a call from the drummer from Trilogy, Bernie Percy, who's a phenomenal drummer, by the way, lives in the LA area. And he says, uh, he's, he's got a touring band, wants to know if I want to, um, sing and play acoustic guitar. And I said, oh man, I don't know. You know, I just quit a band. I'm just so tired of bands. He said, it's Olivia Newton-John. And I don't know if I was able to get any words out at that point, but eventually I said, uh, well, yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> um, 
So I wound up working for her for four years. Uh, I ad- initially worked for the band as a kind of an appendage. They were a jazz fusion group called This Oneness. Now was uh, that in Minneapolis? Was that pre Greece or post Greece? You worked with the band. Uh, pre and during. So seventy five through seventy eight, and uh, Greece came out in sixty eight. And in fact, our final world tour, uh, there was a bit of a delay getting the movie out. It didn't come out when it's supposed to. So our, our this was our second trip to Japan. Mm. And ticket sales weren't as good as the first time because they didn't have, there weren't hit records and so on, you know, to, uh, to boost it. But uh, um, anyway, so yeah, I was, uh, I played the, t- uh, we we played uh, that last year. We played uh, hopelessly devoted to you, and you're the one that I want. And I did not sing uh, with her because I'm not a tenor. I'm a baritone with a fa- strong falsetto, so I I couldn't do it. So they had the bass. The bass player could do that, so he would sing. And I switched over to bass. And the the poor guy. One one day we're in Vegas, and the John Farrow, who was Olivia's producer and songwriter and played guitar on the records, says, Kippa, Olivia and I have been talking. We noticed that the, the band never sounded so good as when you're playing bass. <laughs> and so at that moment, they realized that the, the bass player wasn't cutting it because uh, the, the, ba- you know, the, the, the band finally gelled when I was playing bass. So he got fired after that tour, the poor guy. But um, one night we're in Vegas and... Uh, John Travolta sh- shows up in, in between shows. There's two, two shows a night in Vegas. And so Livy and John and I go to her, um, her dressing room and we practice, uh, you're the one that I want. And uh, so he surprises the audience in the second show and sang, sang it with her. And man, he nailed it. He was just put on quite a show and the, the audience didn't know what to do with themselves. They got Olivia and, and Travolta uh in one night that was pretty amazing mike do you have anything you'd like to i just wanted to chime in i was lucky enough to interview olivia newton john maybe 20 years ago and she said i must be the only one that remembers koala blue her store because i grew up in hollywood oh it was one of those streets and commended her on that but they filmed the the carnival scene i don't know if you were part of that so that's this is a treat hearing not well, part of the movie at all, just just playing the songs live. Okay, because the that was filmed at my high school, John Marshall High School, in uh, by uh, the Griffith Park Zoo. It's like a mile from really the zoo, but it was they used our football field and all of that for you know the ending sequence, or it's close to the end, from what I recall from the film. And uh, that's always well, it looks kind like of, kind of a carnival, doesn't it, or something? Yeah, yeah, it was a whole carnival. It was before she goes leather i'm guessing or maybe that's when she went leather and uh okay uh, for that one so that was you know pretty cool i grew up um and was able to start shooting at the whiskey uh when johnny oh. Rivers was still house band so i appreciate you oh boy that goes back that's that's yeah, what made that me. was before yeah. the doors took over but you know that i was looking at programs and uh, just watched a uh, a documentary i don't know how many years ago it is on the rainbow room uh and they didn't even mention if you know sunset boulevard the rainbow room the 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 restaurant the, the roxy theater 
is like adjacent to it. And the same three generation family that now runs or has for decades took over the whiskey as well as the rainbow oh. room and the Roxy. But uh, obviously Greece was a play for many years, you know, beloved all over the world before the film came out and the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I went to the U.S. debut. It was the opening event at that Roxy Theater, part of this whole conglomerate of Whiskey at Go-Go, Rainbow Room, and Tim oh. Curry, Meatloaf, all of the originals, Little Nell, all of the, you know, the, the main folks were were in there. Uh -huh. uh, you know, it was, it was stars all over the place. And what's his face? The guy that uh, I can't think of his name now, Jack Nicholson's best friend who produced the Monkey's Head movie and all that stuff. He, he was like the lead. Oh. Uh, producer for that I, I think you would know him he's okay. like hollywood but yeah it was just packed with people and and that was such a, a, a great time and so i'm you know i'm sure. looking at uh, the things that you're doing heroes of rock and you know these are all uh, godfathers i remember all the times uh, seeing steely dan you know and, and they weren't as you know in the 70s they didn't uh, uh do many shows it was more about the studio work and, and the recording album. a studio band. Yeah. I don't know when they started doing live shows, but uh, yeah, it was a rotating group of LA uh, session guys. After the first, the first album, it was kind of, it was a band, although uh, more or less uh, skunk Baxter and uh, right. I, I forget to uh, Danny Diaz on a guitar and, and so on. And then after that, uh, I'm not sure why, but they just started bringing in specialists. Uh, well, they were such perfectionists, you know, that, everything had to be just, uh, just right. So they started bringing a, you know, maybe, um, I'm drawing a blank on some of the guitar players they used for uh, the famous solos and so on. But, um, I just love those guys. Just their albums just, uh, are among my, my favorites. So, uh, well, it's so yeah. amazing. There've been, there been some documentaries like on the recording of Asia and they, uh -huh those guitarists and all of the studio musicians through like hell and they didn't know what the end goal was but fagan did in his uh, and you know they all said later on even michael mcdonald said you know i just came in and sang disjointed parts without any music behind me and uh but it oh. you know, obviously was brilliant and the last thing i had a letter in the LA times when uh, the troubadour during the pandemic was almost going to be closed one of these beloved venues and we don't have that many left there's been quite a few that have closed all the way from new york to uh, california but i have <laughs> this letter got printed i said elton john you're always crediting doug weston's troubadour for making your career you know making you in the states and then that you know from there you were able to finally make it back in europe why don't you save the venue uh -huh. and some bucks oh so I, there was a lot of commentary on that one you know because he lives like right in Beverly hills did he eventually put any money into it or I know? think so. It was saved, but it's like you had to sort of hit these guys over the head. Hey, if you love this right. place and this is your right. you know, your stomping grounds that launched you globally. Right. Sure. And now we're hearing after uh, Shatner, uh what's his face? Uh, Bezos is gonna send Elton John up in the uh, you know, because of the Rocket Man song. He's gonna send him up into outer space oh. in eleven minutes. Right. So maybe you could get that chance too, because hey, you're, yeah, you're yeah, I'm, I'm as big as Elton John. Sure, why not? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's I'm, first of all, I'm not interested, but they, I'd be the last guy they think of. But uh, anyway, um, oh, it's good stuff. Good stuff. The only time I think I just only went to the Troubadour once. I was live because I was living in LA in '76, and uh, 
I saw Steve Martin there. Oh, um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, and that was pretty. Uh, awesome. You might have seen that because he did what Kaufman did later on. I think Kaufman might have. I might have been at the same one you were at because I I don't remember if he did like two shows. It was like a Saturday night. And Steve took us all outside once the thing was done to go get donuts or something across the street or coffee. Oh, no, I wasn't. I was, no, I wasn't at that one. But uh, Andy Kaufman was awesome. would do the same thing late, a couple of years later. You know, he would take him to. Oh, the, I didn't know. I didn't know. Uh, so Andy borrowed that from Steve. I didn't know that. Yeah, which is kind of. You know, he was totally a different comic from. Although Steve Martin was, you know, out there at that time. You, you didn't know who the real Steve Martin was. Uh, unless right. you watched him uh, behind the scenes at the Smothers Brothers show. Well, just you, you mentioned a couple of people that were influential on me. Steve Martin, for one, uh, combining music and comedy and not afraid to make fun of yourself. And then Tommy Smothers and the, the Smothers Brothers. Uh, oh, yeah. Who actually, the first, the first time I played Vegas with Olivia, we were the opening act for the Smothers Brothers. And uh, I used to, I would just, after our set, I'd go just watch, watch him from the wings and was just fascinated by it. And just another combination of music and comedy and very influential to me. So anyway, go ahead. What I was going to say is speaking of Steve Martin, with your show, I know you've played over the years from the likes of Dangerfields up in New York City to a mm-hmm. place called the Ice House, which. Right. I know Pasadena. Steve. Yep. Yeah, which Steve was famous for playing over the years. Do you have a favorite place besides it, either of those places that you really enjoy playing? Well, you know, I haven't played comedy clubs in a long time. Uh, the audience has got too young, or I got too old, or whatever. But most of my playing was done in Chicago at, uh, at various Zanies comedy clubs. That's the premier comedy club in Chicago. So, and they had a few locations in the area. So. That's where I kind of made, you know, made my name uh, is Zanies. So that would be, you know, and I played several around the country and so on, but um, that would be the main one. And they're still going. They still got, uh, I think, two locations in the Chicago area. They've got one in Nashville. Yeah, I know. I used to play. And the guy, yeah. No, I was going to say, I played Zanes for like a four week stint in Chicago. Yes, uh, back in uh, 84 or 85, uh, I was I just hit so hard that uh, they, they had me just, and that was the, at the only comedy club in town at the time, and they played four weeks straight in the summer, and um, so that was, uh, that was pretty, pretty awesome. The guy that managed the, uh, the Zanies in Nashville was from New York, and he resented uh, that it was run by Chicagoans and so on. So when I would play, I would headline there and he, he would make me follow the toughest uh, act possible just to make it tough for me. And I, want, I, want to, I, I had to follow, I had to follow Jeff Foxworthy yeah. in Nashville. I don't know if you guys know who Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy yeah, is, but he might be a redneck. Yeah. Yes. So I had to follow that in the South. <laughs> I mean, talking about sticking it to me. Um, but anyway, uh, but those those days were uh, fun. And I mostly work small theaters now for my new show. It's one man shows where I can, you know, I do that. I do two anywhere 45 to, to an hour sets and uh, occasionally have somebody working with me to to. Um, 
augment the show. Like for my 70s show, I have a gal named Sandy Haynes who sings uh, the Olivia songs because the 70s was a decade I worked with Olivia and so on. And she and she joins in with some other tunes as well. So anyway, in some ways, I'm doing my best work now. And uh, I'm not playing the club, so I don't have to gear it towards or try to gear it towards 20-year-olds anymore. You know, it's generally when you're talking, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, you're talking an older clientele. So uh, exactly. That's, that's fine with me. Yeah, so. Because I was going to ask with that, because I know you, like I said in the introduction, you mix comedy and music. And right. I know you've done impressions of guys like Buddy Holly, Frank Sinatra, to guys like David Copperfield, sure. De Niro, Stallone. Yeah. Sure. Where do you find the balance? What do you think is the right balance to go with both music and actors of those certain areas? Oh boy. Uh, well, first of all, you do what you do the ones that you do well. You know, and in my com- my original comedy act. I tried to not only sound like people, but look like them. So that limited to me to a certain, I don't know, 40, 40 people or whatever it was, you know, that, that, and I still do that show occasionally here and there. Um, so I, uh, you know, you just pick what you, so I had to pick what are the people that I can resemble? Well, you know, somewhat as well as do the voice. And that was somewhat limiting, you know, and so it kind of kept me from growing too far because uh, you know, it can only look like so many people. And uh, but with these other shows, occasionally I do the lookalike thing. But, uh, you know, when I'm doing 60 different artists in a in a show, you know, I'm I'm doing the, the voice, maybe some of the mannerisms, you know, a little bit, depending. And um, but uh, like my 70s show, I still throw in I do a. Uh, I, I do a bit where uh, uh, Sylvester, or, or rather Rocky Balboa, um, doesn't know what to do after his uh, his Rocky movie, so he he does an album of disco hits. So I've got him singing, <laughs> you know, assorted disco tunes and so on. So I'll you know throw in the, the impressions and the comedy you know, where I can, and uh, mix it up a little bit. You know, try to pr- present things in different kind of vignettes or you know uh, just alter the method of presentation and so on uh i might do like within i might do um uh, like a a little soul train vignette (laughs) and have and have uh, him uh, who's of course the name escapes me right now have him introduce the the acts on his show that kind of thing and now here is your host don cornelius Hey there, and welcome aboard. You're right on time for another sweet ride on the Soul Train. You hold on to that spot you got. We'll be coming right back at you with a biggie by the Ohio Players. Right up to some very important messages. Okay. No. I, I'm going to ask some. Give me a, 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 or let me know, Jonathan, when I can ask him something. Floor is yours, Dr. Mike. Uh, just very quickly, because uh, I'm like a... I try to be a TV historian. I mean, Rich Little, even Flip Wilson, when they would do impressions, sometimes like Flip Wilson wouldn't get into drag to do Geraldine. So there's no, I mean, that should free you, uh, hopefully. And Rich Little, I mean, never had to look like, you know, these folks or Frank Gorshin or any of the great. Uh, well, mimic- no, Frank Gorshin did. Uh, no, I, I tend to disagree with you. Frank Gorshin did great facial impressions. 
Oh, sure. I'm just saying he didn't, he didn't uh, put on wigs and, and get into it. He no, and I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I, do, I use very few props. It's basically with the, the face and the voice. Um, and yes, Rich Little never did the, uh, I don't know why. <laughs> He's pretty good at vocal impressionist, but every time he do impressions, he would just squint. That was his idea of, yeah. <laughs> of doing an impression of somebody. My funniest impressionist ever for me was John Biner. Uh, just hilarious. And, um, the first one that I knew of was Will Jordan, who was the first guy to do uh, Ed Sullivan. In fact, Will Jordan wound up doing Ed Sullivan on Broadway. I think uh, maybe like in productions of Bye Bye Birdie and so on. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie where Ed Ed Sullivan has a role in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, there's a lot of great. Margaret at the, uh, the opening. And I think she did the closing of it. Say that again. I, I, there was, as a little kid going to the theaters, whatever it came out, you know, and seeing Anne Margaret, you know, right on the screen there. There's you know. oh, that was uh, uh, as you know when I was I, I don't know when I was thirteen or whatever when that came out, and that was, I mean, I think that sent me right through puberty. Uh, seeing Anne Margaret in the opening and closing of that movie, that was I think incredible. Sixty three. Back to Steve Martin. The funny thing was. I don't, I, I can't recall. Yeah, he played banjo on Saturday Night Live, you know, 75 when he debuted. But at uh-huh. the clubs, we would see him and he was so brilliant at it. And then no mention of it in none of those jillion movies he did, you know, uh, Roxanne right. and everything else. No mention of it until, what, maybe four or five years ago, he started with the uh, Castle Rangers, the country, uh, you know. Sure. Yeah, they yeah. were great. But he, then he started recording. It's like he finally is fessing up now to what we've all known since the 70s, that he's a brilliant banjo player. And he has music right. in there, right. you know, like, I wouldn't say like Henny Youngman or Jack Benny combined music and comedy, but I, I think mm-hmm. Steve Martin's probably the best ever, you know, for that caliber star to uh, to do it. I can't think of any other than uh, seeing it, uh, you know, they have because it's Halloween and, Danny Elfman, who I went to junior high with here, you know, growing up, you're going to be going around meeting a lot of these folks, bringing Catherine O'Hara from SCTV, who's a great actress, into uh, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, that animated computer, you know, movie. Well, they, every Halloween, they do stuff uh, in Europe and uh, in New York and uh, now in Los Angeles, I guess, at the Staples Center, where all of the stars from that movie, including Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, will sing their parts. And Catherine O'Hara uh, is just outstanding with her. Nobody who knew that she could sing like that. I mean, she was doing goofy stuff on the 70s SCTV, but what a voice. Amazing. Mm. Well, I love her comedy for sure. I haven't heard her do much musically, but uh, other than uh, Mighty Wind, she sings uh, uh, in the Christopher Guest movie. She and uh, Eugene Levy play an old hippie uh, folk duo right, right. oh yeah that, that was a scream yeah so there's a lot of it you're right in the midst of it you, you know looking at you and just seeing uh, albert brooks on the uh, curb your enthusiasm with larry david the other night you could easily do him and he's done involved he does it very poorly <laughs> and when he back in his 70s stage act when he had super long hair involving uh, music poor ventriloquism awful singing and then well you know, there's another, you, you just mentioned another big influence on me, Albert Brooks. Great. Uh, just, great. just love that guy. His two, I got two albums that are both just masterful. 
and particularly A Star Is Bought, <laughs> yeah. uh, is just an amazing satire in the music business. If 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 yeah. if not heard it, I I would think it still holds up. It was it was so far. It was so brilliant that I don't know that it was even a big seller. I don't think most people could even grasp it. You know, it's just 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 brilliant satire. And uh, Harry Harry Shearer produced that, by the way, and his his voice sneaks in there a couple of times. But uh, I went. I got to shoot uh, for the San Francisco Examiner and Chronicle. Uh, They had Harry Shearer. Christopher Guest and, uh, oh gosh, the guy, the other actor uh, who sang, the three of them did a whole concert. They toured around the U.S. and that was uh, amazing because I was such a fan of them. I yeah. Win. The, all of yes, the I wanted to see guests, that. Yeah, so. I was working. Yeah. Uh, God, what is his name? Well, he was on uh, uh, Laverne, Laverne and Shirley. Laverne and guy. Shirley. Yeah. Right. Oh, God, a terrible name. Lenny uh, and Swiggy. He was one of them. Not the guy that just yeah. died. All guy. So it was the three. I love the- him in. Uh, was it Clue? I think he was in as well. Um, They've been anyway. in all the Christopher Guest movies, all of the uh, right. Movies, the yeah, Brock. they're yeah. all. Fun. Which I love. Do you have the- a favorite? Do you have a favorite? Christopher Best Guest? in show. Best in show. Okay, mine is Waiting for Guffman. That was the Having first done one. Commu- uh, I think it was no, the very well, first. Spin- if you Spinal Tap, Spinal Tap. Was, oh, you're right. You're first, right. But- that's a big, huge yeah. deal. Having done community theater, uh, waiting for Guffman is just, just so friggin' brilliant. It, it's just uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, one of my favorite comedies of all time. But anyway, they're all anyway, good. So I'm look- yeah, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Um, taking yes. off uh, on Thursday, get in a little early. Uh, my wife even is, is going to join me. Awesome. So there go the there go the hookers. You know, I was looking forward <laughs> to that, but no, the wife. Oh, the wife's got to come. So uh, what are you going to do? Um, are you going to take her into the city much? Since you'll be in North Jersey. I don't think we're going to have much time, uh, to tell you the truth, because they're they're pretty long hours. Uh, you know, at at uh, the the, uh, the Hilton there with the expo. So that'd be nice, but I don't anticipate much of that i mean we'll have a rental car so if we have the time maybe you know we'll see yeah well but anyway I mention, thank you guys for uh calling me go ahead you want, go ahead you want to well, i want to mention else? two things since i'm yes. spending a couple minutes here looking for it since i got a huge bookshelf and if you okay. haven't had it haven't had an opportunity to see it since we brought his name up born standing up steve martin great read yeah. but also i do want to close out by mentioned chorethater.com which skip will be attending but also check yeah. out his shows uh and everything through yeah. his website we will put that below with all the outlets oh, for thank this. you skip thank you. thank you so much for taking the time for hey great talking to both of you thank you so much have thank a wonderful you. evening hope to see you sometime
brand is truly exciting and so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne, and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and special seasonal gift sets. But also, let's not forget large orders for party favors by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansoapery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansoapery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sends you. Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, alright? I need help! E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Oh, yeah. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh my god! Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. You're naughty! This medicine is made for extreme cases of being or have an extreme depression. Ah, oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my! Hi, my name's Tawny Katane, and I have been listening to Crazy Train Radio. 